From The Conversation, this is Politics with Michelle Grattan, a podcast where we hear from politicians and experts on the issues of the day. Over recent months, support for the voice to Parliament has fallen from a clear majority to a minority. Many observers now believe it will be nearly impossible to reach the necessary double majority, that is, a national majority and a win in a majority of states. But the Yes side is hoping the formal campaign, now that October 14 has been announced as voting day, can turn around the numbers. To dig into the research on voters' attitudes so far, we have today Cos Samaras from the Redbridge Group, consultants in political communications. In a former life, Samaras worked for the Labour Party. Redbridge has been doing both quantitative polling on The Voice and focus group research, but it is not working for any of the players. Cos Samaras, can you bring us up to date on what recent polling is saying about the referendum and give us some detail on this downward trend? Yes, the uh, public polls seem to be illustrating a trend over the last, I would say, three to four months where support for yes has been on the decline and that decline seems to have not slowed down. So the most recent news poll published earlier this week uh, illustrates that point where support for yes is now in the high 30s. And so it's looking pretty grim for the yes campaign. And perhaps we can talk about what what are the drivers here. They're quite complex and, and diverse as well across the country. Well, just on these drivers, is the decline over time because other issues like the cost of living, most obviously, are becoming uh, much more central to people or is it a more complicated picture than that? Yeah, cost of living pressures and financial pressures in people's homes are a factor. It, it makes people less willing to pay attention to, to issues that are not of direct concern to them more likely to bite down on 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 a proposition which the no camp are succeeding in putting out there which is this is really just all about politics and they're wasting your time and that's where cost of living does have an impact flip side there are other uh, drivers here as well you know we know that education so those australians with a university degree are more likely to be voting yes diversity uh, Australians who speak another English, another language at home other than English um, are more likely to vote yes. And age, of course. So uh, Australians over the age of 34 are the largest supporters of the yes proposition. Uh, the other side of that coin is individuals who are older, don't have a university degree, generally live in the outer suburbs and regions of this country, vote no. I heard a Labor speaker this week saying that the migrant community had a more natural, empathetic attitude to this referendum because uh, they'd experienced uh, feelings of being outsiders and so on. Is that your perception or not? Yeah, absolutely. And really that applies to, I would say, Australians who migrated to this country over the last 20 years. It, not, it doesn't necessarily uh, apply to, I would say, the offsprings of European migrants. They are now very much assimilated and they, they are behaving in similar ways to most of other Australians outside the migrant group. So we're really looking at Chinese Australians, Indian Australians in particular. And we know from some of the surveys we've conducted, the support for the Yes proposition 
amongst the Indian Australian community exceeds well over eighty percent. So very strong support, and it is really about yes that outside mentality, but also I think when you're looking at the Indian Australian community, they have I'll say a lived memory, but also a, a, a memory passed down on generations in terms of what what it was like to be you know colonised by the British, right? So that's 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 definitely a factor when they when they are thinking about this. Is the yes or the no campaign hitting the spot better in terms of tactics, according to what your research is showing? Yeah, I would say it's more a product um, of the yes campaign's terrible strategy and tactics, and no, the no camp is benefiting from that. So I, w- I would not say that the no camp are running a good campaign. In fact, it is just as sporadic as, as the yes campaign is. The problem with the Yes campaign, it's had numerous false starts during the year. I've lost count how many times they've said, we're doing a reset and we're launching the new phase of the campaign starting next week. Uh, I think we're up to about a dozen of those instances. So there hasn't been a consistent message. The creatives that they've put together have bounced from one proposition to the next. Uh, They have not been able to tell that story as to why Australians need to be supporting it. Uh, and more importantly, they've chosen to start attempting to do that way too late. They created a massive vacuum at the beginning of this year and they allowed the opponents of The Voice to fill that void. And yet, on the other hand, one could say that this campaign seems to have been going on forever. Maybe uh, if it had been left to a shorter span, it would have been more successful because people now are just sick of it, or many people, surely. Yeah, it bites. Yeah, it, it does. Uh, uh, the length of time is unless you you plan to do something with that time. So if you were on the yes side of of the of the um, the, the referendum, and you're running that campaign, and you started heavily running that campaign in January of this year, and you did not stop, that would be an advantage. But if you didn't do all that much at the beginning of the year, but kept it there as one of the one of the top five issues that were going to be reported throughout the media for the remainder of the year, you're going to leave yourself open to all sorts of problems. And we're now witnessing that. Now, um, what about the Johnny Farnham ad, if I might call it that, the voice song? Do you think that that is going to have some impact? Yeah, the song is a great selection. But I think they missed the target when it comes to the creative. I could see, I mean, I, I come from the left side of politics. I, that, that ad is probably really, really uh, well made for people like myself. But in trying to articulate that explanation as to what the voice means to people who are not switched on, haven't paid all that much attention, when we ask people at the end of that ad, we show them in our groups, you know, since it's been aired this week, at the end of that ad, we say, okay, so what, what's the message here? And they, they really can't tell you. They, they, they get the sense of it, the vibe, but it doesn't explain to them what the voice actually means. And that's the problem. But the selection of the song is absolutely brilliant. That's, you know, that's a, you know, if they were able to actually match the two, the creative and the ad, um, it would have been a very powerful uh, tool. Is the ad uh, less... Uh, relevant or less likely to resonate with very young voters uh, compared to middle-aged and older voters? Yeah, I think the ad would work well amongst people who plan to vote yes, 
And where it's important, and again, I, you know, uh, if the Yes campaign utilises this correctly, they will address one of their potential problems, and that is turnout. So what we do know is that if perception starts to build within the Australian community that the Yes proposition is going to go down, turnout amongst younger people could be, could be a factor. Uh, what the Yes camp does need is maximum turnout from those who plan to vote Yes, particularly the young, uh, and hopefully those who plan to vote no because they're really apathetic they're voting no they're just, but they're not they don't feel personally threatened by this so they're not going to march out and line up early in the morning to vote their their hope is that that turnout is very low and we and this turnout factor could be could be quite significant because if you look at if you think about it if we have a turnout of 85% uh, that's about uh, two, over 2 million Australians that will choose to stay home that's pretty significant and Although historically referendums had have, have had a high turnouts, we do know that turnout in general for all elections has been on a decline now for a good twenty years. Although it is compulsory voting, of course, we should yes, remind that's people. Right. Yeah. Yes, correct. So, how possible is it for the Yes campaign to turn things around in these final weeks? In other words, what proportion of people are soft voters or just undecided entirely? Yeah, the, the low-hanging fruit for, for that for that campaign are people who have a history of voting Labor, Greens, and other parties. But but when I refer to other parties, other parties of the left side of politics, those individuals still plan to vote Labor, Green, and and yeah, let's say Teal, for example. Um, they're the people, and and at the moment they're indicating a portion of them indicating they plan to vote no. That that's the cohort that. The yes campaign really needs to focus on. It will make a great. It will, it will deepen its problem if it chooses to try to convert conservatives who plan to vote no, because they are the most rusted on no, no voters. And of course, it has to provide information or reassurance, whatever, to the uh, people who haven't properly engaged yet. Yeah, that's correct. Absolutely. Um, and so there's a there's a communication challenge there as well. Uh, you know, from a marketing perspective, it just takes so much money these days to reach people because they, what they, everyone is consuming um, uh, information in a drastically different way to what uh, Australians were, for example, during the, the Republic referendum. You know, back in '99, we had you know a certain set of free-to-air channels. We had the ABC, we had newspapers, and that was it. Um, these days, and radio, of course, and, and these days there is dozens and dozens and dozens of options and people consume news in a very different way. Um, so it's going to be very challenging. Do you have any feel as to the uh, proportion of people who are getting their material on this just through social media? Yeah, most do. We do know that uh, as it skews younger, the, uh, the 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 way in which people consume news is in in two ways. One, yes, social media is the main platform for younger people, but also uh, we now choose to read uh, platforms that align with our views. So those who are reading the Australian, they're politically inclined to be voting conservative. Uh, those who are reading the Age or the Guardian, you'll find, generally speaking, they lean a little bit more left. So they're probably Labor voters, Green voters, but highly educated. Uh, that's uh, effectively how most of that news is consumed. And it's consumed by people largely in 
our inner suburbs and middle urban areas of our large cities and, and, re, and, and regions as well. But as we go out to uh, the outer suburbs where people are working much longer hours, they, they're earning less money, they're, they're struggling to, to pay the bills, they're less likely to be consuming news, uh, definitely less likely to be purchasing news or subscriptions to, for that matter. And so, hence, again, we go back to that original problem that the Yes campaign has, uh, relying on news platforms or any other media to try to cut through that outer suburban constituency right now with only a matter of weeks left is going to be very, very hard. One thing that's been interesting is that uh, some people, more people perhaps than usual, I think, seem sceptical of the polling. Is there any reason to doubt the polling? I would have thought that uh, on the record, I know it's patchy in the past on elections, but on its record, we could uh, more or less trust it, certainly when we're dealing with this sort of broad proposition. Yeah, I would say that the, and I'm, I'm probably biased here because we're obviously doing some of that polling, but our technical team are some of the best in the country. Same with Compliance with News Poll. Look, um, the polling at the moment, uh, the way I would I would answer that is the polling at the moment is showing Labor, federal Labor winning comfortably. So my, my proposition to people who are doubting the polls, are we suggesting that the polling with regards to Labor winning that next upcoming federal election are wrong? The answer is probably not, right? So, yes, surveying people on an issue that is quite abstract can be challenging. But, for example, with our, with our surveys, we actually detail the wording that is in the pamphlets, the pamphlets that people will be uh, reading when they go and vote. So that they're effectively saying yes or no to that. Now, obviously, Redbridge has been doing a lot of focus group uh, research, and you've talked about uh, some of what you've found. But how are people reacting to the use of celebrities and sporting groups and the support that's come from business? Has this been a positive thing in their mind, or is it a bit of a turn off? Definitely turn off. It goes uh, a long way to explaining how the yes proposition has lost its political authenticity amongst these voters that we've been talking about, mainly out of suburban and regional. They are very sceptical of the successful end of Australia, that is corporates, um, you know, the likes of Qantas. Especially Qantas, I would have thought now. Exactly. Correct. Correct. That's right. And look, and that Qantas experience is not when we speak to Australians, they overwhelmingly just have this enormous mistrust with uh, energy retailers, banks, they think they're getting fleeced when it comes to the cost of living at the supermarket. All of that's mixing in a pot and the Yes campaign made a, a number of critical errors by basically partnering up with the the, uh, the corporate end of our, of our society. You know, it's, um, it's something that the corporate world needs to work on and rebuild that social licence with Australians, but at the moment, it's, it's probably one of the last I've seen it in, in a long time. So is misinformation uh, an important factor in this campaign and uh, muddying the waters? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and I wouldn't say misinformation from a perspective of, well, um, we can't compare it to 2000, the 2019 federal election where misinformation played a very significant role. This one's more about misinformation just creates that doubt, ambiguity, oh, this is all about politics, uh, they're all arguing, uh, I don't trust any of them. That's effectively the sort of terms we hear from voters across the country when we talk to them about the referendum. 
So I wouldn't exactly say, for example, that those who are voting, the majority of those who are voting no, believe what they know camp are saying. They're just rejecting the whole thing. So that, that's, that's where I think misinformation is playing a role. So do you think that many voters are confused about the voice or are we just seeing the usual conservative attitude that Australians have had historically about changing the constitution? After all, only eight of 44 proposed changes have in fact been endorsed. Yeah, I think it's a mixture of confusion and apathy. Uh, When we talk to people about First Nations Australians, you know, what they think should be done, there's a lot of empathy and compassion there. Uh, and it doesn't matter which age groups, which part of Australia that we are sitting in and talking to people. It's heartening to, you know, as a researcher to, to actually see that sort of feedback. However, the confusion has been a, a very significant uh, player when it comes to creating that doubt, that cynicism. Um, and, you know, as I said before, the, the loss of authenticity, political authenticity for the, uh, for the referendum. Are people indicating they'd be more inclined to vote yes if there was bipartisanship? And have you tested at all Peter Dutton's promise of a referendum on just Indigenous recognition if the voice goes down and he attains government? Yeah, so not we haven't tested uh, uh, how people have reacted to him uh, saying that, but we have, uh, when we do speak to, to people and we say to them, what about recognising um, First Nations people in our constitution, the, uh, it's overwhelming support. There's no pushback at all. It's a pretty simple thing for them. And they think, well, why hasn't it been done already? Two, the other side of the extreme in that point, and that is that we do have a particularly younger people say, well, why should we have a referendum about this? Because they don't understand, obviously, the, the ins and outs of how our constitution has to be amended, and they get frustrated that, that Aboriginal people will get put through a traumatic experience for, um, for, for something that should already be the case. Now, there's an important point there because there is some danger there for the Albanese government amongst what I will define as progressive young people, that if this goes down and they, and, and they are strong supporters of Aboriginal people in this country, they will have a view that uh, all this trauma has occurred for nothing and they'll be looking for someone to blame. So who will they blame? I think they will look for someone to blame and they and, and that they may focus on the government, the Commonwealth government. Because, of course, there's been a lot of talk that uh, if it goes down, Peter Dutton would get um, a great deal of blame, but you're, you're saying that uh, the government might get more. More from that young constituency. Dutton's problem will be amongst... Uh, I would say, left-leaning voters in till seats. Um, so they're both going to lose skin in this, um, if, um, no matter what the result. There's a lot at stake and uh, a very tough uh, few weeks ahead for both sides uh, in their campaigns. Cos Samaras, thank you very much for talking with us and bringing us up to date on the polling and other research. That's all for this podcast. We'll have more on The Voice in coming weeks. Thank you to my producer, Mikey Burnett, and goodbye for now. Our theme music is by Lee Rosevere. You can find more podcasts from The Conversation on our website at theconversation.com.